It's time for the Graham Capital Market Update, a daily look at Wall Street, brought to you by Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. How hard is your money working for you? Let's find out with your hosts, David Graham and Stosh Graham. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy, and you're listening to Graham Capital Market Update every day at 6 o'clock on 1250 WHNZ. Listen to us, and we'll give you an update of what was going on in the markets today. Uh, If you're a a new listener, well, the show is relatively new itself, and I want you to know that if you just listened to Dave Ramsey's show and you liked it, well, guess what? Graham Capital Advisors, we are approved. Smart Vester Pros, the program that Dave has out there that you hear him speaking to, speaking about, that is us. We are a Smart Vester Pro, and we can help you. We've been approved by Dave Ramsey. We're the only people on the radio that can say that. Very proud to get his blessing. I'll tell you. Another thing, get ready for taxes. Get it done sooner than later. The sooner you do it, don't put it off. The safer you're going to be. And more than likely, they've done studies on this. People that do it sooner, they actually get a bigger rate of return. So don't wait till the last minute. Get it done sooner. And if you need help with that, call, come right to see us. We have someone right in our office, a CPA that can get the job done for you. Right in right in our office. Go to our website and schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And as always, before we get started, let's all offer a huge heartfelt thanks to our police, firefighters, emergency personnel, our teachers. And what about all the men and women in the military services who are so far from home and protecting us? Where would we be without them? Thank God we have them. And with that, uh, we're going to have Stosh Graham, our Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management, will come on in a second. But I just wanted to bring a few things out to you if you're getting close to retirement. There are what are called retirement red flags, and you simply have to avoid these common mistakes. Please listen to what I'm saying, okay? There's just a few of them. so important that you understand this. You're getting ready to retire. Guess what? Are you carrying a balance on your credit cards? Because carrying a balance on credit cards can quickly and easily get you even further in debt. You know, interest rates now are in the 20s, 22, 23, 24%, and it means paying high interest fees, and therefore more money that you should have to spend, not to pay bills with. Not only that, but as as retirees, they transition from a steady paycheck to a fixed income, paying off interest can become more and more difficult because the interest accrued can snowball quickly and it's going to deplete your savings during your retirement. Make sure you have credit cards that are paid off. Use a debit card. Start getting accustomed to using a debit card. It's not in your account. Don't spend it. If you do that, you're going to be so much happier and you're going to have a stress-free retirement. And one more thing, let me throw out another red flag. Collecting Social Security too early. You know, while you can start collecting Social Security benefits as early as age 82, collecting too early can significantly reduce your monthly payment. And baby boomers, you know, they may be eager to want to have a retirement but they should truly wait as long as possible getting a Social Security check. And why is that? Because at the age of 62, you get your check. If you wait till you're 67, you're going to get 6% more every year. That's huge. And if you actually wait till your early 70s, you're going to get 8% more a year. That's one heck of a big check. It could be more than double. 
So the goal is if you don't need it, don't take Social Security. Let it let it grow for you, please. And one more. What about selling investments when the market drops? You know, right now the markets are at a high, and you know, you know the old cliche: what goes up has to come down. So fluctuations in the market they're an inevitable part of investing. However, some people might panic during a downturn and sell their investments before they plan to. Don't panic. Be smart. Don't do things emotionally. You know, th- this can be especially bad if you're about ready to retire, but you simply don't have the time left to remake it. So, you know, baby boomers who liquidate their investments when the market takes a hit, they're going to lock in long-term losses, and they're going to miss out on potential future gains. So having a well-diversified portfolio, long-term investment strategy, that can help you, and it's going to definitely assure that you're going to have a much more stable retirement. And Look, at Grant Capital Advisors, we love what we do. We can help you plan accordingly. It's legal, it's planning, it's investing. Three-legged stool, and we do it all. Come and see us. Let us help you. We have offices in Tampa, Florida, on Kennedy Boulevard, across from the West Shore Mall, and on, and, uh, on Sarasota, right on Ringling Boulevard, right at the corner of Ringling and Washington. We have an office down in Sarasota. And if you're down south, you can meet us in Venice also. So go to our website, schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. That's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And online, we have Stash Graham, the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. Stash is the only true fund manager you're going to hear on the west coast of Florida on the radio. So listen to what he has to say. Good morning to you. Good morning, David. Well, let me ask you, you know, we received consumer confidence data from the conference board. You know, what should listeners, what should they take from it? Well, the consumer confidence data from the conference board was surprisingly weak. I think a lot of people were uh, uh, taken aback by the weakness from the conference board, which had been by and large pretty strong for the last couple of years. Uh, so I think our focus, again, with the with the conference board, uh, confidence or consumer confidence survey centers around why or or how the labor market has made a pivot. So one of the differences between the conference board consumer confidence or consumer sentiment survey and say the University of Michigan, those are the two preeminent consumer sentiment surveys. Right. Uh, the conference board focuses more on the labor market and actual business where the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey focuses more on the household and the person that that you know runs the household. Uh, so again, I think when you start seeing this weakness that we've seen if from the conference board of late, uh, when I say of late, I mean over the last couple of weeks, but in particular this morning, it is centered around a weakening of the labor market. Jobs right. are less plentiful. Jobs are harder to get. And when you figure that the labor market has been a very point of strength the last two to three years, this confirms what our assumptions were last summer, which is the strength and the tightness of the labor market has started to reverse. And now, and I think, you know, considering how labor markets move, labor markets are not a a fidgety or it's not a it's not an entity. That is going to turn pivot very quickly. It's not like that. It generally is a slow moving, 
But when it moves, it's a big move. Uh, think of it as like a really large cargo ship. Unfortunately right, right. for us, the direction of the labor market is, it looks pretty apparent now the direction that it's going. Now, the question is, how quickly does it deteriorate? And that is really where the bets are now being placed. Uh, and again, I think this is just another survey uh, from the conference board that kind of, it, the big indication is the labor market turned last year. And again, it's weakening from here. The question is at what pace? Well, I mean, you, you said it right there. You know, what goes up has to inevitably start coming down. And when you're, so what you're saying is then instead of the, the Michigan report, with the consumer confidence survey, that's something that kind of takes in consumer attitudes, buying intentions, consumer expectations, inflation, stock prices, interest rates, I guess the whole shooting match, doesn't it? And it gives you an idea what the perception of where we're going to be in the future, to say the least. Right. And, and that's in the important part of the survey is that they do break down, say, present and future, uh, future expectations. And that's important. There are some correlations between future expectations of the labor market and the direction of someone's consumption. If you're not comfortable that you're going to have a job six months from now or a job that's going to be paying well six months from now, then you're going to change your uh, uh, expectations of spending, which again is kind of like a self-fulfilling loop, unfortunately. Right. And so like, for example, part of this survey, they the conference board asks, well, okay, what are your plans for buying cars? What are your plans for buying homes? Uh, big ticket appliances like uh, refrigerators or stoves. Uh, do you have plans for vacations over the next six months? So again, there's right. a wide range and you saw drops across the board uh, on those uh, items that you generally have to plan for ahead of time when you when you buy them. Well, I noticed where the CEO of, of Goldman Sachs now, he expects that there might not be a soft landing. Uh, so uh, define that for me. What does what would be, you know, is his perception of, of a soft landing? Uh, you know, and so what does that actually mean? That the, the markets, uh, you know, I, I guess there's, you know, right now there's a very high delta to it. So yeah, I guess it's a little bit more uncertain than before. So what's your take on that? Right. So, uh, I mean, you have three scenarios that you that that you have so using if you're going to use the term soft landing you so you have soft landing you have no landing and then you have hard landing so soft landing which is probably i, I would my assumption is it's probably everyone's base case even though no landing has probably grown materially and if you look by the stock market movements that's probably the one that has moved up the most so between soft landing and hard landing, what you have is, or well, let's just start with soft landing. Soft landing is a minor or a very mild recession that really won't have much damage to financial markets and will rebound quickly. No landing is we're not going to have any slowdown, no contraction, and we're going to continue to take off from here. Uh, and then hard landing is exactly what it sounds, material correction, material recession in the economy. And one of which uh, probably entails a Federal Reserve whose hands are tied behind their back, uh, and they ha it's a multi-year situation uh, in terms of uh, getting back to where we were. Uh, right. 
say the Federal Reserve can't cut interest rates as quick as possible or can't do quantitative easing as much as they have in the past, you know, again, then that would probably be what would happen with a hard landing. Right. So in essence, what you're saying that it's investors, you know, like right now they're repositioning in a slower economy and, and repositioning a bunch, I guess, because two minutes ago there were seven rate cuts. Now there are only four rate cuts and, and, uh, they're, simply waiting for something to happen, but it's not going to be that that as difficult as what it, people anticipate is what you're saying. Well, let, let me ask you this then. You know, th- there's been a lot of discussion about food inflation of late, yet the prices of corn and soybeans are at multi-year lows. Why is that? Right. So I think that's the discrepancy, and, and, and I appreciate the question. I would say this represents the discrepancy of commodity prices with what people pay for in the grocery store. And then also there's a geographical aspect to this. Look, you know, obviously there's been a lot of focus on what's happening in Ukraine. We're talking about some of the bread baskets or the bread basket of the world. Um, and obviously war has greatly impacted their ability to produce uh, wheat and various goods um, um, like that. So you obviously had a lot of market speculation. I mean, you look to see, you look at a five-year chart and it's not necessarily just say, wheat uh, or or corn or say fertilizer. I think that's probably potash, another big one. Um, there's a Russian dynamic to that also. Uh, it has been a material amount, in my opinion, of financial related uh, speculation that has materially moved the prices. And that's always, again, one of the dynamics you see uh, with commodity prices. Uh, they There is a degree of financial market participation or speculation. And that does have a bearing to the higher or to the low uh, in underlying commodity prices. So I think, again, what you saw two years ago is just a massive amount of of financial capital that went into the futures markets of these respective commodities, which made a move just materially higher than what was the reality of supply and demand. Ultimately, demand increased, but it didn't increase as much. And supply increased, but not, or excuse me, supply decreased, but not nearly as much as what people uh, thought. There were other countries in this geopolitical economy we have that were able to ramp up uh, their respective supply. Uh, But it does speak to an interesting opportunity. Again, you figure how contrarian going long something agricultural like corn or soybeans or fertilizer would be. Again, when you look at five year charts, I mean, obviously, you have your starting point, say, in 2019, you have the COVID sell-off in 2020, where it goes down, then you have uh, a rebalancing trade, then you have the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and it shoots through the roof. In the last 18 months, it's basically been a one-way trade lower. Uh, It would be an interesting contrarian trade for someone who has a higher risk tolerance to come down here and go, well, look, I know global demand is still there. Uh, maybe a five-year average should indicate a higher price, and really we're right back to where we were in square one. Uh, maybe financial sure. speculation has given me an opportunity to go long. Sure. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the historical charts, you know, rates shot up in 2022, 2022, 2023, you know, it's fastest pace in almost four decades, you know, as, as the, the Fed sought to contr- you know, contain inflation. And now with you know prices, pressure easing, the economy is still strong. Now there's, you're going to hopefully just start prepared to bring rates down at a much more slower, slower, potentially less 
a regulated pace. So by doing that, how would that ultimately affect the stock market? So, I mean, interest rate movements are going to be very important for financial asset prices, especially the ones that are more interest rate sensitive. So utilities, real estate, two of the most um, interest rate sensitive spaces that one could find. Uh, separately from that, your longer duration tech stocks, those are usually um, companies that have uh, higher than average growth expectations built into their present value or future value models. And thus, maybe they don't make money now, but it's assumed they're going to make money six or seven years down the line with these very high growth rates. Those types of stocks are also going to have high duration um, stock prices that are going to have a strong relationship inversely uh, to interest rate movements. Look, the last 15 years, interest rates have been low from historical norms. And I think, uh, you know, if you, if you observe monetary policy for the last 40 or 50 years, one would say last 15 years has been uh, certainly impacted by ultra loose monetary policy, which has suppressed interest rates, which has allowed the stock market to run up at above average levels at a time when economic growth was really below average during during that 40 to 50 year period. Uh, so there has to be a reason as to why you could have tepid economic growth over a 15 year period, especially when compared to a broader 50 year period. Yet that 15 year period where you had tepid economic growth generated stock market returns are well and above the larger average, and that is low interest rates. So looking forward, and I think this is the important part about investing your capital now, if you're trying to decide what you're going to do with capital, is you have to have a conviction on what you believe interest rates are going to look like for the next 10 to 15 years. Do you think you're going to have a Federal Reserve like you had, say, since the great financial crisis? Or do you think you're going to have some type of normalization or balancing act and you'll have a a Federal Reserve that was closer to it was in say the seventh, which you know is certainly an extreme on the other side. But that's only that's only a question that the investor who's making the decision what to do with their capital can answer. Sure. Well, I notice now that the, you know as the economy changes, for example, take Lowe's, Home Depot. You know their sales are slowly starting to suffer as you know this home improvement slowdown starts to persist ever since the virus. And uh, is that an, an indication of anything when you see that happening? So I think in the case of Lowe's, it's interesting. When you talk about Lowe's, you're talking about obviously one of the preeminent um, uh, home uh, improvement type stores. It's 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 them, and then obviously it's Home Depot. Um, I, I would say in the case of Lowe's, the do-it-yourself or home improvement related spending, while had is certainly slowed. As you mentioned, Lowe's is predicting that it's going to continue in the near term. You figure at some point, if say interest rates are higher for longer, and I know some people, you have seen an increase in home sales and and mortgage applications over the last couple of months, but say you have interest rates higher for longer and you get no rate cuts, you add in some inflation expectations and then you have the long dated interest rates move higher, say the 10 years treasury move higher, and that pushes right. mortgage rates back higher, then that forces people to improve their homes. So yes, I think what Lowe's and Home Depot are saying are very important. But again, that's what's happened in the last 12 months, or maybe what they're projecting what's going to happen over the next 90 days. 
But when you invest in markets, you have to look out. What's going to happen in the next year? Sure. Well, you know, when, with, as the society changes, technology changes, I just noticed where in the, in the, at Apple now, they're canceling work on the electric car and they're shifting their teams over over to artificial intelligence. So it's kind of like winding down. They've been working on this project Titan for almost a decade now. But when you see a shift like that, uh, it's going to be made public, I guess, probably today. Uh, you got 2,000 people, uh, tech people, they're going to be switching jobs or getting laid off or what have you. Uh, why would Apple be doing that? Well, look, I mean, there's systematically, there's there's less interest. You are seeing a, a slowing of interest in uh, electronic vehicles. I think we talked about this last week. Uh, you've seen what's happened after the euphoria three years ago of electronic vehicle stocks. Uh, I think a lot of people, and I think there is some parallels to artificial, what's happening with artificial intelligence right now. You had a wave of people taking one to two years worth of data and extrapolating that over 10 to 15 years, thinking that was that's what was going to happen. Uh, and that's just not realistic. That doesn't happen. Uh, and again, with electronic vehicles, again, you're, you're seeing less interest from people buying electronic vehicles. What does that do? That makes the car manufacturers maybe say building up inventory. They have to bring their prices down. And when you bring your prices down, you're hurting your profit margin. If you have any margin at all to have. Um, and so you've certainly seen that you've seen a couple of electronic vehicle companies come under bankruptcy restructuring over the last two years. And again, that's that's amazing when you consider, you know, 2021, early 2022, you had a, a you were coming off of a 12 to 16 month period where you saw more electronic vehicle IPOs happen and you saw record high valuations, say for a company like Tesla, uh, who's obviously the, the preeminent uh, electronic vehicle publicly traded company that there is. Well, you know, it's it's understandable with what everything is changing so fast and so quick. Well, the, the Warren Buffett's annual letter came out to his shareholders, and uh, have you had a chance to take a look at it? It's it, uh, you know I, I figure when you talk about the most famous investor of our of our lifetime, uh, I think it's an injustice <laughs> if you can't read his letter. <laughs> well, I, I saw the news where it's required reading for all investment fund managers. Uh, so what did you take? What did you get out of it? You know, I, I would say, you know, he always has nice quips. I would say my primary takeaway is is really how he discusses um, oil and gas and the variety of carbon capture initiatives. You know, he talks briefly about Occidental Petroleum, which is a company now that he owns basically a third of. Um, right. I think it paints a bigger picture on energy in the United States and what that means for the rest of the world. We've talked on numerous occasions on this show about our views on energy and how we think if you pick the best of breed in terms of exploration production companies, that that could be the winning trade this next cycle. Uh, and the fundamental supply demand dynamics into the future skew very favorably for new capital to be invested in energy markets. Energy has been weak the last six to eight months. Uh, obviously, right. it had a great 2022. But I think, again, when you're trying to look out forward and Warren Buffett, you know, 
indirectly talks about this with his position in Occidental, that the value skews very favorably, favorably to have a position within energy. And look, Occidental's position they need added to in the fourth quarter of 2023. Sure. Well, I guess the issue is then when you when you if to get getting done reading his letter, do you feel optimistic about the rest of this year? Look, I mean, he has a ton of cash. I think that's a very telling picture in its own right. Um, you know, and when you can make five, five and a half percent on that cash, you know, that's a that's a pretty nice that is a pretty nice uh, position to be in. You know, if he didn't have as much cash as he had, I think you could be more constructive on financial asset prices. He still likes stocks to bonds. He doesn't like bonds. Um, he prefers e-bills than to general bonds. And I think that's due right. to spreads and credit risk. But I still think there's value in short-dated uh, investment-grade corporate bonds. You just have to be willing to spend the time to invest. Now, I think in his case, he likes to think a longer duration time frame. So short duration investment grade corporate bonds is not going to be of great interest to him. Um, but again, I think the big takeaway from the letter was his focus on energy and his position on Occidental Petroleum. Well, that's that's well, no. So one last question then. Would you recommend that people invest in Berkshire Hathaway? It depends. I think, you know, you have to think about what does Berkshire Hathaway, we just lost Charlie Munger within the last year. What does Berkshire Hathaway look without Warren Buffett? Uh, right. you, you don't want to be too dark, but you have to ask that question. Would it, sure. uh, the news of Warren Buffett not being in a leadership position at Berkshire Hathaway anymore, whether due to some health reason, what would that do to the stock? Uh, my what? assumption is, is it would be a negative. Uh, now, whether that's logical or not, is is another thing, but you have to perceive how would the market interpret that. Uh, right. So again, I, I think that's probably one of the things you have to think about whether you want to go long in Berkshire Hathaway or not. Very, very good, very good point to think about, Sash. As always, we appreciate your sound sage advice, and we'll be talking to you tomorrow. You take care now. Take care. If you're, if you're a new listener, you're just listening to Stash Graham. He's the Chief Investment Officer of Graham Capital Wealth Management. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com in Washington, D.C. And he is in charge of all of the assets for Graham Capital Advisor clients. And I'm telling you, he's the best of the best. And if you have know that you feel that it's time to get a good second opinion, if you're tired of having being invested in models that are going up and down like a yo-yo, do yourself a favor and stop investing like way. Because listen to what's inside you. If you know something's going on, you have to take the initiative. You have to take the incentive to make that switch. Only you can do that. We can help you. At our company, we love what we do. Like I had said earlier, we have offices in Tampa on Kennedy Boulevard, on Ringling Boulevard in Sarasota, Venice. Come and see us. Get that good second opinion to see if what you're doing is right. You know, we provide comprehensive consultations at no cost to our listeners. There's no obligation. And if you work with us, you're going to be working with the best. We'll help you analyze your financial situation. You know, we'll, we'll examine everything you have to make sure that what you're doing is the right thing to do because we're just as concerned about your retirement and your monies as you are. Very proud to be fiduciaries. We all have professional designations. Come and see us. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. 
you really want to be lucky in life, then go help someone. God's going to smile on you. You're going to get to be incredibly lucky. We're lucky to be Americans. It's right on our currency and God we trust. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. Thanks for listening to the Graham Capital Market Update. For more information on any of today's topics, visit GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC, an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy. Did you purchase an annuity that hasn't made you any money? Well, the good news is that you're not stuck with it. At Graham Capital Advisors, a new proprietary software will show you how you can redirect your money into the highest available guaranteed income payouts for life. If you're 65 years old, you can receive 7.9%. At 70 years old, 8.2%. If you're 75, 8.99%. Need help? Go to our website and schedule an appointment. That's Graham Capital Advisors dot com.